when Jesus I see, and I look upon the face who saved me by His grace. What a glorious day that will be. I turn to Jesus in my struggles, in my trials, in my difficulties. Last week at the end of the message, I, I said something like this. When you don't know the how and you don't know the what and you don't know the why, you run to the who. And that who is Jesus. Brian, lead us, please, in prayer. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the answers, the way to go at times, Lord, but we know that you're the answer that, that uh, is forever true and sound. Father, uh, in Jesus' name, we ask for your word to come flowing, anointed by your spirit on dawn today. Uh, Lord, we know who the who is. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. We'll be in 1 Kings today if you would like to turn there. Uh, again, 1 Kings is right before 2 Kings. Um, I'm going to use that joke until I hear nobody laughing, okay? So, so if, you, if you want me to stop doing it, just be quiet when I say that. That'd be... That'll, yes. <laughs> For, uh, we'll be in 1 Kings 19 if you want to turn there. The title of the message a little bit different. It's called Mount Carmel, or the Wilderness of Beersheba. Been there and done that. Uh, we're going to look at an encouraging message over discouragement, <laughs> if that's possible. That's what we're going to try to do today, okay? We're going to look at the prophet Elijah. There's so much in these verses that... that uh, that you can't get all of it, and maybe one of these days we'll come back and relook at some of this stuff. But we're going to look at the prophet Elijah. And Elijah is not much different than you and I, okay? Elijah was bold and decisive on many things. Elijah was timid and fearful in many things. Elijah had experienced the power of God in his life, and yet he knew what the depths of depression was. He knew the struggles of life, 
And yet God used him in a great and a mighty way. We read in the book of James, the, the name of Elijah, his name means, my God is the Lord. But what we will find out today that, that, God, that Elijah really is not much different than you and I. He had the same struggles, the same issues that you and I have. Uh, he was a man after God's own heart, but yet we find that he's not perfect. We find that he failed. We find that he is depressed. We find he is defeated sometimes. So we're going to look at him today, and, and, and I, I just want you to understand that in Elijah's life and in your and my life, we will have spiritual victories. We're going to have those spiritual highlights, if you will. And yet, it very possibly, we can have some of those low lives. We can have those depths of discouragement. We can have those times of despair and depression in our lives. And I think in our minds, at least in my own mind, uh, sometimes the thought comes up that, I am a believer. You know, should I not be immune to discouragement? I mean, should I not be immune to that? Should I just, maybe I get a shot for, and not have to worry about depression and discouragement? And yet we find that sometimes God leads us through bitter waters to teach us and to mold us. So we're going we're gonna to look at that today, okay? Elijah comes on the scene in chapter, 11, uh, chapter 17, and it's like he just appears out of nowhere in verse 1. Uh, I, I know he didn't, but according to God's word, there he is. And, and, and he's, he preaches a message of, Israel, it's not going to rain until I tell it to rain. Okay, that's what he's telling them. He said, it's not going to rain until I and God tell me it's going to rain, then I'll let you know when it's going to rain. And what he was doing, he was telling the Jews that, that you have been uh, uh, such sinful people that God is bringing discipline, he's bringing chastisement to you, and he's going to do it through no rain, through drought, and through famine. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that is probably not a good way to start a person's ministry, okay? I, I, I didn't do that my first message I preached to you. I mean, it's probably not a way to start, but that's how he starts. And then God tells him, said, you need to go hide yourself down by the river, I don't know if he had a van down there by the river for him, but he said, go hide yourself down there by the river. And Elijah did. And the Bible tells us that, that the ravens came and, and brought him food and brought him water and brought him meat to, to sustain him over this period of time. He had spoken God's word, and now God says, I'm going to provide for you. And the birds are going to bring what you need in order to provide for you. A few months after that, the Bible says God told him to leave and go and go visit and go stay in a house of a, of a widow lady who had a son. And he, and he does that and he goes there and, and he's been there for a couple of days. And, and the Bible tells us that, that this son of this widow lady dies. And the widow lady kind of blames Elijah like, like why did you come here? If my son's going to die, you must have caused it. And the Bible says that he prayed, and he went and grabbed the, the dead son and, and held him and, and prayed over him. And then the Bible says he laid him down in the upper room, and, and he says he, he, he laid on him three different times while praying, Father, just raise this boy up. 
And guess what God did? He raised the boy up and brought him from the dead and brought him back to life. Now, I don't know about you, but that is a super big victory, miracle, spiritual high that he had. I mean, can you imagine? There you are, and the boy is dead, and all of a sudden he gets up and he's walking around now. What a victory. I don't know about you, but I'd be kind of just giving one of these, you know? We read in chapter 18 of that great Mount Carmel experience where, where the, the prophets of Baal uh, challenged Elijah to a, to a cook-off, to a barbecue, if you would. And you know the story where, where they said they decided, we're going to put a calf there on the altar, and then whoever's God brings down fire from heaven, that must be the true and living God. And you know the story that, that Baal had did all they could do and all those prophets, all they could do, and, and there was nothing, no fire from heaven. Imagine that. But when Elijah had his turn, what happened? He prayed and fire from heaven consumed all the sacrifice. What a super victory for Elijah. Can you imagine fire from heaven? Boom, bow, whoa. And he has his spiritual high. He's witnessed this miracle. He's prayed for this miracle. And the miracle has happened and God has blessed him. And and he again was probably walking around thinking he's he's some stud muffin because look what God did at my hands. Mount Carmel experience, God bringing fire from heaven. And then in the next few chapters we read, next two verses we read, that now it's time. It's now time for the rains to come back, if you would. It's been three years, and after Mount Carmel, three years after that, the rains come. He prays for the rains to come back. Another miracle. I want you to get this. These are, these are super miracles that he is getting to experience in his life. And I can just imagine, if, if anybody had the right to be, have a spiritual high, if you would, to feel super close to his God, it had to be Elijah. I mean, those kind of miracles just don't happen every day. I mean, that is a huge, big deal. Big deal. And he's sitting here with a spiritual high, and anybody had, that was on cloud nine, it ought to be him because of what God was doing in his life. Three super miracles, or really four, if you count the ravens bringing him meat and food morning and at night to feed him. Maybe there's four miracles right there. A lot, there's a lot in those chapters. And then that brings us to verse chapter 19. Chapter 19 is where I, the message I need to come from. And let's look at verses 1 and 2. And it says, Now Ahab told Jezebel, that's the king and queen, Jezebel, all that Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. After the rain, after the fire came down, he killed all the 450 prophets. And then it says, Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah saying, So may the gods, little g, do to me and even more, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. <clears throat> What's Jezebel saying? You're going you're gonna to be dead. Okay, I'm going to send a messenger to you. I'm going to send you a letter. I'm going to call you on the phone. I'm going to send you a text. I'm going to give you an Instagram. But I'm telling you, Elijah, because of what you did, you're dead tomorrow. You're going to be dead. Now, I don't know about you, but that'd be kind of go, whoa, wait a minute here. Wait a minute. And then we see his response. 
We see this man who has this spiritual high in his life, who's walking very close to God, who is a prayer warrior, if you would. Let's see his response to the, to the phone call that he just got. Verse 3. It says, And he was afraid and arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. And in verse 4, And he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I'm not any better than my father's. Wow. He goes from this spiritual high to a guy that wants to die. He received bad news, if you would. And instead of praying about it, what does he do? He becomes afraid. He gets up and he runs for his life. He goes to Beersheba, and that wasn't good enough. He goes a day's journey into the wilderness, which is very appropriate for him at this time. He finds a juniper tree, sits down under it, and then he says, God, just take my life. I've had enough. This guy that's been up here spiritually, now where is he at? He is in the depths of discouragement, depths of despair, just over a message, over a phone call, over a text, over an email. Wow. Has that ever happened to you? Has that ever happened to you when, when you have been, things have been rolling pretty good in your life? And all of a sudden something happens and the wheels maybe start coming off a little bit. Maybe you've been blindsided a little bit and you, like Elijah, have had this spiritual high. I hope you've had spiritual highs in your life. I really do. I really do because it's, it, you just, you're just, it brings you closer to God. And I got to thinking about where, where do those spiritual highs come from? Where does that, where does that happen in, in your life and in, and in my life? And, and I got to thinking, maybe, it was a, maybe you heard a, a sermon one time. And man, it just, it just spoke to you. It spoke right to your heart. And, 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 and after the message, man, you get up and you go and you're, you're fired up about the Lord and you got energy about the Lord. And, and man, you're just kind of walking on cloud nine. Man, that message just really spoke just to me. And you have this spiritual high. Or maybe, maybe you're listening to music and maybe just these songs that we sung today was, was spiritual high for me. Just listening to those and reading those words and singing those words. And maybe something, some song that just touched your heart and you go, wow, God, God is so good to me. And, and, and it kind of just lifts your spirit a little bit and you feel a little bit closer to God. Or, may, or maybe you have a child that's, that got saved. And, and, and your child gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but that's a spiritual high. They don't get no higher than that. When, you, when your daughter or your son accepts Christ as Lord and Savior, the circle is not broken now for eternity. That's a spiritual high. Or I, or I was talking to a, to a gal this, this, this week, and she said, I prayed for my husband for 35 years. 35 years I prayed for my lost husband. And before he died, just months before he died, he was in a nursing home. And he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. And the people in the nursing home go, man, what happened to him? He used to be like, Argh. but now something happened and he changed. And that happened, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. And she's still on a spiritual high, she said. 
knowing where her husband was in heaven. She couldn't get over the fact that he's gone, but I know where he's at. He's not gone. That's a spiritual high that's keeping her going. Maybe, maybe you've had physical healing. Maybe something's going on in your body and, 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 and God heals you. And you think, man, I'm close to God. I'm so thankful for that. Maybe God answered a prayer that you have prayed in the past 35 years maybe. Maybe six months. Maybe yesterday. But you see God working and you see his hand. And it just reminds you how good God is. And you kind of start walking around maybe. I got this spiritual high kind of like Elijah. I've seen kind of in a miracle if you would. Maybe you led some lost person to the Lord. Spiritual high, it don't get no better than that either. Spiritual high. Whatever it is, I hope you've had some of those. Where you just seem to walk a little closer with the Lord. And you see God's hand. And like Elijah, it, he has this Mount Carmel kind of experience. I, I hope and pray that you have had Mount Carmel kind of experiences. And I tell you this, but the first point I want you to understand in the message today. The great successes in life are oftentimes followed by discouragement. Okay? Not to be a pessimist, but to at least warn you. When you have a spiritual high in your life, most likely there's going to be something that comes down your road that's going to bring discouragement. And it's going to bring despair, and it's going to bring defeat, or it could even bring depression. You need to... Understand that. You see, Satan, that enemy of all of us, one of the biggest tools he will use to steal your joy is discouragement. That's what he wants to do. When he finds out that you're walking with the Lord and you've got this spiritual high going for you, what does he want to do? He wants to cut your legs out from underneath you, and he will use discouragement to do that. Discouragement comes when something happens in your life that you weren't expecting. When it kind of blindsided you and it kind of knocked the wheels off a little bit and you weren't expecting it and and you get a call, you get a message, you get a text and says, this is what's happened. I'm telling you, you just need to be prepared because it will happen because Satan will make sure that has happened. We must understand that after every spiritual victory, there could be something happening. Elijah, three great miracles in his life. Walking on cloud nine, if you would, with the Lord. And in the very next verse, what do you read? He's afraid of what he just heard. He's running away to the desert. He's finding a tree to sit under and have a pity party. And ask God to take his life total discouraged, total wiped out, total depressed. Don't be surprised when the enemy tries to do that. God sometimes allows that to happen in your life. Did you know that? Sometimes God allows the enemy to bring discouragement into your life. Well, you say, Don, why, why would he do that? Doesn't he, he love us? Yeah, he loves us. But you see, sometimes a trial, a test, discouragement, a struggle comes into our life in order to prove to us whether or not your faith is real or not. 
Is your faith genuine? Do you really, really believe what you profess to believe? And he's going to use that trial, that discouragement, that test to mold and shape you into the person that he wants you to be. Elijah will be a changed man here eventually. Because even though he went to the depths of discouragement, he allowed God to change him. He allowed God to help him. He allowed God to work in his life. Because you see, miracles don't happen, don't happen because of our faith. Okay? A spiritual high comes into our life, yes. But God uses the everyday issues of our life to teach us how to trust him more. To teach to give us, give us everything that we have back to him. And we know once we get through that depth of discouragement, God has a different road for us, and he'll take us out of that road. Be prepared when you have spiritual highs in your life that the enemy will come and try to take that away. The second point I want you to make on this, the greatest successes are followed by forgiveness, uh, forgetfulness. The greatest successes are followed by forgetfulness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> When Elijah heard the news, he's afraid. He runs, he hides, wants to die. Elijah forgot about the three miracles that he just witnessed just the other day. He forgot about witnessing God's powerful hand in his life. He forgot about how God took care of him at at the river with the birds feeding him. He, he forgot that God called fire down from heaven. He forgot that God had the power to raise that little boy up from the dead. He forgot all about that. And that's what happens sometimes in the life of a, of a person who, who finds discouragement. They forget the Lord. There's other one, one other thing that he forgot that I think is so important that we've got to understand. He forgot to pray. He forgot to pray. Every one of those miracles... Every one of those three miracles were bathed in prayer. He took time to pray. And as you read those verses, we don't see prayer in there. The only prayer we see is, God, just take my life. I want to die. He forgot to pray. And we find him sitting underneath a tree, whining, complaining, crying about how pity poor he is because of his his discouragement and prayer never comes to his mind this man who has this spiritual high is now in the depths of discouragement and he forgets to pray how can he do that come on man what's up come on man (laughs) what are you doing is that the way you and I react when a trial or a test or a struggle or a discouragement comes into our life? When something happens in our life and the phone call or the text or the friend comes by and says, man, I got news for you. Is that what we do? Is that what we do? Are we just not much like Elijah when we got that text from the doc? Do we just want to run and hide and feel sorry for ourselves? Uh, I'm guilty. 
Okay? And when we get to that news and we get to that, that, that email that says that, in our minds and in my mind, I'm starting thinking, man, I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this. And after a while, I figure out that this and this and this and this are not working. And then I'll take it to the Lord. Then I'll say, then I'll begin to pray. Then, and I put, I put the Lord way on down the list of, of my important things that I need to do, and that is to pray. And I find that this doesn't work. Because when, we, when we're being led down the bitter waters of life sometimes, our first priority, our first thought must be the Lord. Must be the taking it to the Lord. Must be running to the Lord. Not figuring out the who, the what, and the why. But running to the one that we know can help us during this time. And that one is who? It is Jesus. It is Jesus. See, Elijah forgot how good God had been to him. Elijah forgot the blessings. Elijah forgot that God's power. He forgot all of that. And because of that, he falls deeper and deeper into discouragement. What could he have done? I suggest to you he should have been on his knees praying. And not just praying. <laughs> okay? Not just praying. That's good. That's great. But also praising. Oh, my gosh. You want me to pray and praise him while I am in the depth of discouragement? Yeah, I do. How do you praise him when, you, when that phone call comes? How do you praise him for that? Well, I'm here to tell you. You say, God, I praise you because of that. <laughs> it's not rocket science. It's not some fancy word that comes up. When you feel that discouragement and the depression coming up because life has just kicked your legs out from underneath you, you pray and you praise him. God, I do not understand what's going on. God, I do not like what's happening in my life. God, I, just, I got a big question mark, God about what's happened in my life. But I'm going to tell you something, God. I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm going to praise you anyway. And I can tell you, if you will do that, and you're open and honest with your God, I don't know, I don't like, I don't agree, but I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you. That will lift you out of discouragement and despair. Almost immediately, if you just say, I praise you, and I praise your name. Don't understand, but I praise you. That wasn't even in the notes. But that's the truth. That is the truth. If you take nothing else out of that message, that's the truth. Don't forget to pray first and praise him along with prayer. The third thing I want you to see real quickly is the road of discouragement leads to a greater love for the Lord. The road of discouragement, if that's where you're on, will lead you to a road of more loving our Lord. And we see that. And I'm not going to read verses eight through 5 through 8. I'm just going to tell you real quickly what those were. The Bible says after... 
he decides he wants to die. The Bible says he lays down and takes a nap. Okay. He lays down and takes a nap. Well, that's what I do. Lay down and take a nap. And as he's laying there, he's got a little tap on his shoulder. And the Bible says the angel of the Lord's tapping him. Hey, wake up, Elijah. Wake up, buddy. And Elijah wakes up, and there's a, 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 a bread, a cake bread, that's what it's called, and a jar of water there waiting on him. And the angel of the Lord says, get up. Here, eat. And he does. A few verses later, it says the angel of the Lord comes back to him. After he had eaten, you know, he got that full Thanksgiving stomach. He lays back down for another nap. And it says the angel of the Lord taps him on the shoulder again. You know who the angel of the Lord is in the Old Testament? That's Jesus. Okay, just write that down. That's Jesus. Angel of the Lord. When you see that angel of the Lord, Old Testament, that's Jesus. Jesus taps him back on the shoulder and said, get up again. I got some more food for you. Arise. He said, you need to eat all of it this time. Because what you're eating now is going to have to last you for a long, long time. And you, keep, and you read down, I think it's verse 8 or 9. It says he ate all of it. And it lasted what he ate for 40 days. He went on a 40-day journey. And he said what he ate that one day lasted him. He didn't have to eat for another 40 days. Man, that's a, that's a great diet, isn't it? You know. I got to think about that. Only Jesus could do that to somebody. Feed him a meal, and that meal will energize that person for the next 40 days. You see, the point being is this. When we are discouraged and we are down and despondent, if you would, God still loves you, believer. And God is still going to provide for you, believer. He's going to give you what you need, believer. Even though you maybe have kind of turned your back and you're not going to pray and you're not going to praise, guess what? God's still going to provide what you need. Philippians 4.19, and my God will provide all you need according to his riches and glory. And as we see, as we see God providing for us, even though we don't really deserve it, but we stop to see that and we think about that and we understand God must really love us. And because we see how he's providing for us during these difficult times, it helps us to grow in our love for him. And is that not what we need to be doing anyway? Growing in our love towards him? I think so. We look at verse 10 and 11 and verse uh, 10 and 14 and 18. He's not quite out of his depression yet. Because in verse 10 we read, he tells God, he said, man, God, I've been zealous for you. I have done these great works for you. I have taught Sunday school for you. I have preached for you. I have given to the poor for you. I have done all this, God. I've done all this. And yet here I am, God. I'm the only one around here that's doing any good. That's what he's telling God. I am the only one. And you know what? All they want to do is kill me because of it. And in verse 14, he says the very same thing. I've been zealous. I'm the only one here. Come on, God. Help me out a little bit. And all they do want to kill me. Is that my reward, God, for being such a strong follower of yours that they just want to kill me? And in verse 18, we see Jesus, God's reply. And we see his reply. He said, yet, God's telling him, he said, no, I've left 7,000 in Israel 
All the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. He said, no, I, I, I got your back. I'm leaving 7,000 other believers out there just like you. You're not the only one. And when we go to work and we think we're the only believer on the job, there's others out there. When we go to school and we think we're the only one out there that's standing for the Lord, God will tell you, no, you're not the only one. I will supply what you need. I will not abandon you. I will not forsake you. You know, his word tells us that. He tells us that he will never, ever do that. I will bring encouragement to you. I will bring support to you. I will send somebody to support you. And even better than that, Psalm 34, 18 says this. For those that are brokenhearted, the Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. When you're discouraged and you're depressed, you're brokenhearted. And he'll either bring somebody to encourage you or he himself will, through his Holy Spirit, will encourage you and strengthen you during that time. No, Elijah, you're not alone. No, believer, you're not alone. I will never forsake you nor abandon you. And the last thing I want you to see in these verses today begins in verse 11. As we draw closer to the Lord, knowing He will never forsake us. Verse 11, I just, I've got to read these to you. So God says, uh, Elijah, go forth and stand on the mountain before me, or the Lord. And behold, the Lord was passing by. Can you imagine? The Lord's passing by. And a great and a strong wind was rendering the mountains and breaking in pieces the rocks before the Lord. That's a strong wind. But he says, but the Lord was not in the wind. Wow. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a gentle blowing. Or a still, small voice. What's God telling him? Elijah, I know you're discouraged. I understand that. I get that. I don't have to speak to you, Elijah, with some great dramatic voice, if you would. I, I, I don't have to, to get your attention by, by sending this windstorm that the rocks of the mountains are all breaking up. I don't have to do that. I don't have to shake the earth to, to let you know that I love you. I don't have to call down fire from heaven, God would say, to let you know how much I care for you. I, I don't have to do that. And so many times God won't do that. But then what did those verses say? He said he came with a gentle blowing of the wind. He says he came with a still, small voice. And when you are depressed and down and discouraged, I can almost promise you that God will come to you with a still, small voice. He will speak to you. He will whisper in your ear. He won't yell at you because you are not where you need to be spiritually. 
He's not going to judge you because you're not there. He's not going to condemn you. He doesn't condemn Elijah. He won't condemn you. But he comes to you and he speaks to you in a still, small voice. And I found this verse, and I've, I've read it before, but it never, this, this verse just didn't even catch with me, I guess you might say. But I saw it, and, and, it, and the crazy thing about this verse, <laughs> I had a friend of mine who posted this very same verse <laughs> the very same day that I was working on this. That's, that's a God thing. And the verse is Deuteronomy 32, 2. And it so speaks to, to the beauty of God as he speaks to us in that still small voice, in that gentle breeze, if you would. And it says this, when God speaks, it's like a gentle shower that refreshes, that cleanses, and produces life. We have a little rain shower one day. And the writer is saying, you know, that's how God speaks. It just, it just comes and he speaks to us and it refreshes us and it cleanses us. That's a lot more better than coming in the wind or the earthquake or the fire. That's how he speaks to us. You see, God can speak to us in all kind of different ways, can he? That he chooses. He really can. I mean, he can, he can speak through his word. I mean, the Holy Spirit can speak to us. He can speak through us some, from circumstances where he's trying to teach us something or, or, or get us to do something. He also can speak to us verbally. Did you know that? He can speak to us verbally. And I, I can tell you, you're kind of worried, wondering about that one. Does God speak verbally? Well, I'm here to tell you. I was sitting in a church service about seven or eight years ago, First Baptist of Clinton. And I'm sitting there with Rhonda, and we're sitting there, and we're listening, and, and it was as if it was just today that I heard this. And I'll never forget it. <clears throat> the voice says to me, Don, you're done here. At Clinton First Baptist Church. Don, you're done here. That's all he told me. I looked at Rhonda, I said, we done here. And before the service over, we got out walked out. We were done there. You see that still small voice, he can still do that. He can still speak with a still small voice. And when he speaks that way, you're almost more likely to hear it than through the wind and the earthquake and the fire. God still speaks. But you have to be sensitive and willing to hear what he has to say. Okay? You have to be willing to do that. And sometimes when discouragement and depression comes, we're, we, maybe we're not in the mood to hear that. But I'm telling you, God taught Elijah that. He's teaching me that. He's teaching you that. That he'll speak through that still, small voice, that gentle blowing of that wind. And his word will cleanse you and refresh you and put you back on the right path. When we're on the road to discouragement, just remember, remember, God still loves us. God will supply our needs. God will never abandon us. And there's a road out of discouragement. That will, if you will, if you will, allow you to love the Lord more than you loved Him before. I mean, that's kind of a choice that we all have. When that call comes, do we love Him more because of the call? Or do we love him less?
Do we go to the knees and praise him? Or do we go find a bush somewhere and lay under it in the wilderness and say, God, I just want to die? Which one of those two options brings you closer to the Lord? And that's what he wants. That's what the trial is all about. That's what the test is all about. To bring you closer to him. To mold you and to shape you into a person that more reflects Jesus in your life. And the question is, are you willing to do that? How do we have a defense against discouragement? We understand when we're on Mount Carmel that there is a wilderness of Beersheba coming, of discouragement. When we are there, do not forget (laughs) the Lord. Put Him first. Put Him the priority. Not the issue, not the problem, not the sickness, not the cancer. Put Him at the top of the list through prayer and praise. And just understand there's a road out of discouragement that will lead you to a stronger and a better love for the Lord as you allow Him to shape you into a Christ-like person. As we begin our invitation time. I don't know how God has spoken to you. But if you are discouraged and depressed about life stuff, take it to Him and pray. And praise. If you're on a spiritual high, if everything's going great in your life, not to be a pessimist, but I'm just letting you know that your enemy's going to come and try to knock your legs out from underneath you. And bring discouragement to you. I don't know what road you're on. But recovery is there. Because God loves you. So as you pray. Do business with the Lord. Let him speak to you. Let him speak to your heart. He might have spoken to you about something completely different. Maybe about salvation. Maybe about needing Needing Jesus in your heart, maybe by joining this church. I don't know what he's spoken to you about. I would just urge you to follow what God tells you to do. As a piano plays, you do business with holy God.